it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm excited to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hussline. Hey, Meredith. Not too much happening in the sports world this past week, but I'm excited to talk to you about what did happen. Yeah, and sort of the root of nothing happening this week, at least from Ohio State's perspective, is, of course, COVID, which is the story that never ends. Yeah, it's just really coming back with a vengeance, and Ohio State had to cancel their game against Kentucky, and they had to cancel their game on Tuesday as well, which just super disappointing. Obviously, it's happening throughout all of sports right now, but yeah, definitely a bummer. I was really excited to see them play Kentucky on Saturday. I know, um, and, you know, kudos to, I guess, the NCA broadly for being flexible. Kentucky and I think UCLA were able to reschedule with one another. Um, but yeah, the big root of that cancellation came from the fact that some players had tested positive. They were going to be traveling to Vegas. And if more players tested positive in Vegas, they would have to quarantine there. Um, and so certainly logistical challenges with that. Uh, but again, this game, uh, we're recording this on Monday morning. The game scheduled for Tuesday evening against Tennessee Martin got canceled because more t- players continue to test positive. Um, so definitely a bummer. Um, Megan, obviously, like hoping that all the players feel better and hopefully everyone is safe in the coming days. But thoughts on overall impact uh, for Ohio State for this basketball team? 
yeah, definitely hoping that everyone feels okay, but I I don't know if it's going to have too much of an impact on them because obviously this is happening. Like I said, they're all of sports, all of college basketball. So a lot of teams have had to cancel and reschedule. You know, the women's team had to cancel their game against UCLA as well. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll get, you know, they'll figure it out. It'll be fine. But they definitely had some momentum going coming into these games, especially against Kentucky. So that's definitely a bit of a bummer. But obviously their first priority is just to make sure everyone's healthy and safe. So hopefully they come out of this little break um, just feeling rested, feeling good and ready to get back into it. Yeah, I I agree. Um, you're exactly right that this has been something that's impacting a lot of teams. But the biggest downer for Ohio State is coming off that big win over Duke a couple weeks ago, following that up with a conference win over Wisconsin, and then nothing. Um, and you know, we are heading into the holidays and the break, uh, and we'll be coming back into conference play very much in January. So hopefully uh, – there's not too much rest while other teams are continuing to play. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely something to worry about, obviously, when you don't play for a few weeks. And yeah, it's been a bit since they've played. They probably, I'm sure they aren't even practicing right now. So it is something to worry about. But then again, rest always helps out a team too. So hopefully um, the rest helps them instead of hurting them once they get back. Um, other COVID impacts this week, Rafael Nadal has COVID uh, and tested positive. Um, the NBA had to change their rules to allow new players to join rosters um, after some pretty sizable COVID outbreaks. In particular, the Cavs and the Nets had to cancel games. Um, and then uh, elsewhere, obviously, <laughs> as a Browns fan, uh, we're getting something like what is it, like eight straight days of NFL football because of the rescheduled games due to COVID? I mean, it's kind of like Christmas in a way. Like we only go one day without football in between weeks. Uh, Obviously, it's not for a good reason. But yeah, I mean, it just means a bunch of football. And I'm glad that the NFL decided to um, just move around the schedule a little bit, postpone some games because it just – it would not have been fair to have over 20 players on the COVID list and then still play a game. Like at least moving the Browns game from Saturday to Tuesday, it gives them a better chance for some players to get back on the roster. So glad that the NFL made that decision, but still feel bad for the Browns because man, they have so many players out right now due to COVID. Yeah. Well, we are playing the Raiders tonight. So fingers crossed uh, that all goes well. Um, but speaking of the NFL, uh, just given that, you know, we had bowl games this weekend, which we'll talk about a little bit, but the big stories have obviously been in the NFL uh, and in particular the playoff race um, and wanted to discuss a couple trends that have definitely uh, come to light this NFL season. The first is this decision to go for a two-point conversions more regularly. Um, and the second is going for it on fourth down. Um, Megan, want to start with the first one because uh, yesterday the Packers and the Ravens played Packers fighting for first place in the NFC East, or excuse me, NFC North and Ravens, you know, not 
exactly trending upward in terms of the AFC playoff picture. Um, so not exactly a must win for a Raven, the Ravens, but a probably should try to win for the Ravens. Um, and the game ended with Baltimore driving to score a touchdown. They were down by one, but instead of tying the game with what would literally have been a go-ahead extra point from Justin Tucker, who has not missed an extra point like ever. Um, they opted to go for the two-point conversion, which failed. Um, what was interesting about this was that this is not the first time that John Harbaugh has opted to go for the two-point conversion. Uh, they went for it against Pittsburgh, and it also failed. So yeah. I Meg, really no, don't. I don't know what Harbaugh's thinking. I mean, he keeps reiterating that they're an aggressive team, so they're going to go for the win. And then, obviously, his players are going to back him up too. But it just really does not make sense, especially like you said, when your kicker is Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker of all time. And again, this week, um, you don't even have your starting quarterback. Lamar Jackson is out, so you have Tyler Huntley in. Who? No shade to him. He did a great job, but. I mean, it just it really doesn't make sense to go for the win there when you can easily tie it up and then try again um, in overtime for a score. But I personally am not a fan of trying to win the game with a two-point conversion. I mean, there are times for when, you know, it's right, it's called for, but when you already failed once, like, why, why would you try to do it again? Like, it just, it's not working out for you, so... Really not sure about Harbaugh's thought process there, but I guess kudos to him for the aggression, but it's really just not working out. Yeah, and kudos to the Packers defense. Um, If you watched most of the game, uh, Mark Andrews was having an incredible afternoon, um, and the Packers defense went after him on that two-point conversion, and that's why it failed. But like, Yeah, I'm with you. It feels like a situation, and it's more akin to the fourth down scenario that we'll talk about in a minute, where like if two-point conversions are going to be your MO, like you have to really commit to them. But why would you commit to them when your kicker is Justin Tucker? It's not like you have a bad kicker and you need to do it. Um, And additionally, we haven't discussed this point yet, but Baltimore was at home and had all of the momentum. Right. If you go to overtime, yeah. you're carrying that momentum through. It it really just doesn't make sense at all. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, when you're at home in overtime, that's very much so a guaranteed win. Like, you, you have the momentum going for you. But I don't know. It just really doesn't make sense when you have Justin Tucker as your kicker. Like, I don't know. A lot of good points brought up here and not a lot of sense being made by the Ravens, but I'm sure they will continue to go for these two-point conversions because it's got to work at some point, right? Maybe, but I mean, I think the stat yesterday, maybe I can't remember if it was before or after, but they were like two of seven on fourth down. Oh, that's fourth down, but um, yeah. It's a, we'll talk about the fourth down situation in a second. But, you know, one of the things that the announcers love to go back to is like the analytics say that the two-point conversion makes sense. The analytics say that the fourth down conversions make sense. Um, but it has to make sense for the situation that you're in. It can't just be across the board. You're going to go for it on or on fourth down or when you have a two-point conversion attempt. Right. Oh, that – 
I hate when people just rely on analytics so much because like you you just can't do that in all situations. Like you have to get a feeling of how your team's playing, how the opposing defense is playing, like what's happening around you. Like you can't just rely on analytics. You have to think about what is actually going on and how successful you've been in the past. Like clearly it hasn't worked and I'm sure the analytics show that, but still they were just rely on that too much. So that can definitely be a slippery slope on deciding, okay, the analytics say this, we should trust it, or you got to go with your gut and, you know, trust what's happening in the situation at hand. So I don't know. Analytics can be a little bit tricky to balance, I think. Yeah. I'm a big fan of using analytics. I just think when it's a buzzword and it says, Yes, you should generally go for it on a two-point conversion, but you have the situation that Baltimore had yesterday. You know, it sort of falls through. Um, but speaking again of the other analytics uh, <laughs> situation that has uh, become more prominent this season that we've talked about a little bit is going for it on fourth down. Um if you recall the Browns Chargers game from earlier this year the Chargers went for it on like fourth and six on their own 20 and they got it and they drove down the field and they won the game. (sighs) But uh, this has become a trend sort of across the NFL with teams opting to go for it, not just between like the 40s, but, you know, even in different situations rather than opting for a long field goal or rather than even punting it away entirely. Uh, Megan, what are your thoughts on this fourth down scenario? So I kind of love it in some situations, but the Chargers against the Chiefs on Thursday, I'm pretty sure they went for it on fourth down like four times, and I don't think they got it a single time. So like if you try it once, maybe twice, and it's not working out for you, then maybe you should just slow down and just not go for it. But at times I do love the aggression. It's always so fun Um, when it makes sense, obviously, like, I don't know. I think anything over five yards to go might be stretching it a little bit, but it definitely makes for a more exciting game. Obviously, I'd rather see you go for it than just punt it away. But I don't know. The Chargers against the Chiefs on Thursday just really, I was like, what is your thought process here? Because, like, I just don't understand how you go for it four times and then you don't get it a single time and you continue to go for it. So, in some situations, it makes sense, but if it's not working, then maybe stop trying. Yeah. I mean, I like it. And again, it's sort of like the two-point conversion where if you're going to do it, you got to commit to doing it, right? Um, but as a strategy, it does change the game a little bit because you think about it, um, instead of needing like 3.3 yards on average per play, all of a sudden you need only two and a half yards per play if you know you're going to go for it on fourth down, Right. Um, and so if you're able to gain that and going back to the analytics, they tell you that you can gain that yardage on against the specific team and you have been gaining that per play, like on a particular day, like it totally makes sense. But yeah, if you're sitting at fourth and seven and your average yards per play is, you know, four and you've only gained three yards and three downs, like that doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, so like it as a strategy makes me really anxious most every time I see it happen. (laughs) 
Yeah, for sure. It's definitely definitely a nerve-wracking play. I, I like what you said. I do enjoy it as a strategy, but again, I feel like it usually just doesn't work out unless it's like fourth and one, fourth and two. Like they, it can usually be converted on that, but anything more than that, it's just very nerve wracking because obviously if you don't get it, it has huge ramifications. So again, I like it, but yeah, like you said, it can definitely be a nerve wracking situation. Yeah. Speaking of nerve wracking situations that didn't work out, uh, we finally had a res- resolution in Jacksonville with the Urban Meyer situation. Um, as you are probably well aware, Urban Meyer was let go as Jacksonville's head coach late Thursday night. Um, Megan, I woke up at like two in the morning to the notification. Yeah, this that was, was the first thing. Yeah, that was the yeah. first thing I saw when I woke up too. I think it's so funny that they like tried to just do it in the middle of the night. Like, oh yeah, let's just fire him at one a.m. No one's gonna notice. Like, it was just the biggest news. And man, Urban is getting such a bad rap. I think mostly deservedly so, but at the same time, the hate is just piling on him. Like every sports talk show I've been watching, it's just how badly he messed up, how bad of a coach he was, just so many things. And it's not even just on Urban, but also on the Jags owner, Shad Khan, because he knew all of these things. Like he knew that he kicked the former kicker in August. He knew all of these things that Urban did, yet he still chose to give him chance after chance. And once that news broke about the kicker, I think that was finally the last draw, and he just literally couldn't give him another chance because there were just too many mistakes. His name was in the headlines literally every week for something different. So I think it just built up, and ultimately they just couldn't hold him anymore. So. Man, shocking. Urban Meyer cannot last a full season in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and Shad Khan in his statement, you know, it, he said he made his decision and it was final after the shutout loss to the Titans last week. Um, but the fact that stories continued to emerge even after that decision was made, um, certainly a PR nightmare for the Jags. But just contrast like Urban Meyer's situation in Jacksonville with Dan Campbell in Detroit, right? Like two coaches with very similar records, but Dan Campbell is doing it without like the drama for Dan Campbell and for the Lions for the longest time was just how close all of their losses were and how heartbreaking it was. And everyone was really like cheering for him to get that first win. Um, And when the Lions finally did, everyone was so excited. Everyone was so excited for his team. But I just remember back to when Urban Meyer finally got his first NFL win and it felt like it was very much all about him and not all about the team. Um, And so it feels like these two very different situations where you have one coach who is, you know, all about the team, all about putting the team first, and you have this other coach who, you know, as we can see, that situation did not work out, who it felt like it was all about him the whole time and he was the story. Yeah, that's another huge thing that's being talked about because, yeah, everyone loves and respects Dan Campbell because he cares about his players so much. Like, he literally cries, which might be a oh little bit God, excessive. Was, I was <laughs> crying. Well, I'm a sympathetic crier, but I was so sad. I, oh. Right. Like, you have to respect how much he cares for his players. Like, it's so evident. So that's why everyone was rooting for him in the Lions. But 
when it comes to urban, it's just a total opposite situation. Cause like you said, it's just all about him and like his coaching. He doesn't really care about his players, obviously just the way he treats them. He has a lack of respect for his coaches. Like, yeah, I would say that's a lack of respect. Like it's just, I don't know. It's unbelievable. And I mean, when you think about it, it, this probably happened in his college days too. Like obviously he was a great college coach, but at the same time, those were just kids and they probably just didn't want to speak out against like anything that was happening, any like mistreatment. But I mean, it just says a lot about urban, like as a man, just outside of football, like he just doesn't really respect those around him. And it's just kind of all about him. How many wins can he rack up? How does he look? And obviously that did not pan out in the NFL. So yeah, definitely a lot to be said about Urban here. Yeah. Um, And tying back into that and just to wrap up this kind of depressing saga, uh, the kind of consistent story is, you know, in addition to it being all about him, there's like this ego aspect of doing it his way. Um, And all of like we saw the raised eyebrows even back in the spring when he started, uh, you know, how he handled free agency, uh, how he hand- handled the NFL draft. Um, and, you know, everyone just kind of said, okay, well, you know, he's done it in college and he's had such huge su- success. Let's just see how it plays out. And how it played out was the drama that we've seen over the last, what, nine months or so. Um so, uh, you know, obviously wishing him well in his future endeavors, uh, wishing the Jags the best for the remainder of the year, obviously is challenging to finish the season without a coach. Um, but, uh, certainly and the end to a incredibly dramatic and frankly, pretty sad saga. Yeah. I'm definitely rooting for the best for the Jags from here on out because, they just really got screwed over, I feel like, this season, um, especially Trevor Lawrence. Like, obviously, he went to Clemson. We don't love him, but he's such a great talent, and it's just really sad to see how his rookie season has panned out so far because he just hasn't gotten any help. His coach was in the headlines for the wrong reasons. Like, he Yeah, just I really, saw, like, hardly any headlines about Trevor Lawrence. Right. Like, he just wasn't given – a chance to succeed honestly like we all know he's better than what his stats are right now like he's so good so I'm just really hoping that I don't know hopefully they bounce back somewhat this season but if not then hopefully they can just restart next season clean slate and do a lot better because Trevor Lawrence definitely deserves to get a great chance to succeed in the NFL um well on this depressing note we have more positive stories uh, but we're going to take a quick break first to stay with us I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. Um, As we mentioned at the top of the show, we sort of were limited in our college football over the weekend to some bowl games, but we did have some excitement out of Western Kentucky. So I'm not a huge fan of this, but in their bowl game this past weekend, Bailey Zapp, I think is how you say his name, uh, Western Kentucky's quarterback. Zappy. Yeah, Zappy, um, broke Joe Burrow's single season record for touchdowns and passing yards. And okay, kudos to him. Obviously, great accomplishment. Like, this is great. But it's Western Kentucky. And when Joe Burrow did it, he was on a national championship team at LSU. So I personally feel like obviously the record belongs to Zappy right now, but I feel like there should be a little bit of an asterisk there because. Joe Burrow's competition was so much better. You know, he won a national championship while putting up these numbers. So I don't know. I feel like technically it should still belong to Joe Burrow. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I think it's a pretty cool story uh, for Zappi. Um, he hit almost 6,000 passing yards this season, uh, which is just phenomenal. And then, as you mentioned, 61 touchdowns, breaking Joe Burrow's record. Um, and it did come – like it came in the Boca Raton Bowl against Appalachian State, who we all remember fondly as beating Michigan that one time. Uh, basically, my only association with Appalachian State. Uh <laughs> But certainly, like, a cool story. Um, And, you know, that's kind of the benefit of bowl games, right, is you get to see uh, players from schools that you haven't watched all year. I don't – I personally can say I hadn't seen a Western Kentucky game all season. Um, But they do have this additional game where they're the only ones on TV at the moment. uh, And so certainly have a bit of a wider audience to – watch them break these records, which is pretty cool as well. Yeah, I mean, bowl games are always fun in the fact that you can pad your stats a little bit, break some records, and obviously this was a huge record to break. Um, And yeah, it's always fun to kind of watch the teams that you haven't really heard of or haven't followed along all season when there's nothing else on. So yeah, I just love bowl season because you just watch all these random teams and they have some random stars like Zappi, who you really haven't heard of all season, but actually had one of the best seasons ever of as a college quarterback. So yeah, definitely a fun time of year for college football. Uh, what are your personal thoughts on the Hilltopper mascot? I'm not a huge fan. I'm not going to lie. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. But I mean, maybe it's like a good tactic for opposing teams. Like just see that on the sidelines and you're just distracted. But I don't know. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. I think he's kind of cute. Not as cute as Brutus, obviously, but, obviously. you know, he's like a, he's like the top of a hill. That's cool. Um, in other uh, very positive news this weekend, uh, Tiger Woods and his son uh, played golf together. It was Tiger's first appearance since 
a really horrific car accident earlier this year. Um, and then we also had a really fun moment uh, featuring Tiger was in the number one women's player in the world. Uh, Megan, do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So first off, play, watching Tiger play with his son, Charlie, was it was just so heartwarming. And there's like all these videos on Twitter, like comparing the two and they have the exact same mannerisms, like the way they pick up the tee or they twirl their club or they freaking wipe their nose, like, cause they both have allergies. Like they're the exact same. I think it's so funny. And the fact that they finished second, like, it's just unbelievable. Tiger obviously still has it, but Charlie did so well. And he's only what, 11 years old. Like they're such a fun pair to watch. And Tiger was just gushing about how much fun he had too. So it was just really great to see him back on the golf course, especially back with his son. So I'm sure that was such a heartwarming moment for both of them. But yeah, watching the number one women's play in the world, Nelly Korda, she totally fangirled when she met Tiger and it was so cute. Um, she got a selfie with him, but it was just really funny to watch her freak out meeting Tiger. Yeah. Um, super relatable video. <laughs> In terms oh, of yeah. Outside. I would react watch? the same way, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, uh, definitely. Really, really neat. Um, anyway, we got to end on that much more positive note. Uh, but before we wrap up, Megan, do you have any shout-outs for today? Um, Let's just shout-out the Ohio State men's hockey team because they got a nice win against BGSU last week. And they're actually one of the only teams competing right now for Ohio State. So I guess we'll root for them. Nice. Um, since we are rapidly approaching Christmas, uh, I'll give a shout out to all the healthcare workers that are working over the holidays to help keep us all safe, um, especially as we talked about at the top of the show as COVID continues to rage. Uh, so thank you to all of those who are um, helping to keep us safe and healthy. Yes, definitely much appreciated to all the healthcare workers. Um, stressful season, obviously, with COVID ramping up too. So very appreciative that they're taking care of all of us out there. All right, that's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at Landgrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.